Hi. Hello, everyone. Welcome to... This is ambush number six. Isn't that crazy? Um, I guess I could be further along if I actually kept up with this um, during the end of my semester, but oh well. So this one is called, What's Mr. Bean Got to Do With It? Right? Isn't that just a good title right off the start? I uh, had a, a moment where I thought to myself, you know what, I want to do these podcasts, I guess, in such a way that I don't just say something because I feel like I have to say something, but rather wait until I have something to say. And I feel like this is a good one. And man, I, I've just been excited because I just have been studying and reading up and, and looking just at a few things that I really think are fantastic. Okay. So I'm just going to go ahead and jump right in to this one because this is the, the pulling together of a number of different ideas that I've had. And I'm really happy the way that all the parts fit because I feel like this has helped to reshape the way I think about a number of different things. Okay? So I'm going to start off with two different stories and then talk about words that we use for a bit. And then you just might then see how Mr. Bean fits into all this, all right? So let's get started. I, uh, I've heard two predominant stories at churches, okay? And especially churches today, I feel as though they kind of follow one of these two narratives. And both of them have to do with how you talk about God, the way you talk about Jesus, the way you talk about these things that have been written about in these letters and writings that are thousands of years old. And the first one says this, that God is glorious. And that's kind of the main theme of it but that God saw that his glory was being neglected or that his reputation wasn't quite being upheld, that people turned away from the glory and it just grieved him. And so he punished them and then eventually sent Jesus down to try to show people his glory so that people be turned back because God cares about his glory. God cares about his reputation. God wants to be worshipped. And so, in the midst of all of that, we then are told that the good news is that we are invited back to worship again, to give glory again, to highly esteem the reputation of God again. Is that really it? Is that good news? Does that stir you in any way possible? Because it doesn't feel like it stirs me to action, to love back, to love my neighbor. It just doesn't 
it just doesn't resonate. It doesn't jive, you know? But then here's a second story. That God is loving. And God saw that mankind was loving poorly. Or that God, God saw that mankind was loving the wrong things too much. And so sent Jesus to embody what love should look like among all these unlovely people that were loving the wrong things. And we said no to that. But that God's yes was so big, he came back. And that yes was so big, it swallowed the way that we said no. And here we are thinking to ourselves, how great is this love that still says yes to us after we have no, said no to it? Is that good news? Because it sounds like it is. It sounds to me like it just resonates so much better. So here's, here's a thought, like, does God's concern for his glory and reputation change us at all? Or is it God's love that does that? Which is the better news between those two ways? You see, there's something in my gut that just tells me that God just doesn't care about his reputation. God's not a narcissist. God isn't like perpetually watching to make sure that his image or reputation or glory isn't being infringed upon or shattered or dismissed or ignored. I mean, to me, that just sounds, that just makes it sound like this God that you're talking about, even though you're using Christian lingo, is just a narcissist. And you know what? I've heard, I did some reading, but there's tons of people that just try to do like giant explanations and gymnastics to try to like get around saying that this type of God is a narcissist, is like self-concerned with himself more than anything else. And I feel like deep down, there's a few of us that recognize, be like, ah, if that's God, that God doesn't sound that secure in himself. In fact, that God sounds rather insecure, like not satisfied with himself. So I'm convinced that there are some ways that we can tell the Christian story that may use Christian lingo, but can still be so far away from it. Because let's be honest, if God really cared about his glory or reputation, he would not identify with us. I mean, let's be honest, like every single believer that has ever walked upon the face of the earth has hurt 
God's reputation in some way. In some form or fashion, every single believer that has ever came to be has hurt the kingdom of God coming faster. But maybe there's something there that this God isn't as concerned with his glory as some of us might be if we were in his shoes. I mean, if God was really concerned about his reputation in the world, then why would Jesus be born to get this an unwed teenage girl? That's scandalous. You want gossip, that would be a perfect example. An unwed teenage girl. Or if God was really concerned with his reputation, why would he bother doing blue-collar work as a carpenter? Or, most likely, die naked. There's a possibility that he had no clothes on as he was being crucified. And so, why do I say all this? Why am I saying that this God maybe doesn't care that much about his glory? It's because there's a word in the New Testament, in the New Testament scriptures, the word kenosis, is that this God emptied himself. That this God humbled himself. Now this is where it gets exciting because I looked up the word humility and I looked up some of the roots and how do we come to understand some of this? Well, the word humility, it means grounded. But why does it mean grounded? It's because it comes from the Latin word hummus, which, get this, is earth or soil. It's ground. And so humility has to do with hummus, which, get this, is also where we get the word humor from. Humility and humor both come from the same base root in the word hummus. That means earth and soil and ground. And so listen here. The truly humble person is someone that can laugh at themselves. Now I'm going to throw another thought your way. What if God really is the most humble being in the entire universe? What if God is the most humble being in the entire universe? This God isn't concerned with bling. This God isn't concerned with titles. This God isn't concerned with walking around and peacocking and showing off at all times. This God is about humility. This God is about humor. Humor. 
And so this is fantastic, but if you've ever looked up Mr. Bean, he was hilarious. It was by a guy, a comedian named Rowan Atkinson from England, and he did a lot of physical humor. But what he did is he was nonverbal through all of it. He didn't talk at all. But there are some people that think that, man, this guy got humor down. And so back in the 90s, he was a part of a six-part series called Funny Business. You could look it up. And in it, he presented three ways that visual humor can happen. The first way is that a thing or a person behaves in an unusual way. Like scissors are being used to mend paper together. Or two, something is found in an unusual place. I I don't know. (laughs) I think of like a grown man in diapers in a business building. I mean, that's, I'm sure that's been a skit at some point. Or three, something or someone is of the wrong size. Like when you sit down to take a very serious test and you pull out a pencil that's three feet long. You know, like those are three different ways that humor can be done. If God was so serious about glory, about reputation, then get this. He would not have behaved in such an unusual way around particular people. God would not have been in an unusual place like he often is in the New Testament scriptures. And get this, God most likely would not be of the wrong size. We think about God as being massive, and yet here's the possibility that he was just a normal five foot seven human being. Like, isn't that just amazing? Like, there's humor in just the incarnation in the story of God becoming man to show that he doesn't care about his glory as much as he cares about showing love and saying and bleeding love in such a way that God is just saying yes. So here's Here's a thought. I mean, maybe maybe there are some people who are drawn in by the glory of God, by the reputation of God. They maybe there is a part of some people that to think about God restoring his glory, it resonates with them. But that doesn't happen with me. And I'll I'll be honest, I guess it doesn't have to be everyone. But I find that the humility and the potential humor of the incarnation 
it's more compelling and it's more worthy of notice that man, what if God is the most humble being in all of the known and unknown universe? Which story is good news? That God cares about his glory and reputation or that out of such intense love he doesn't care about his glory and reputation. And I'll say it in one fantastic passage. There's a parable that's told that has a son that ran off and did some bad stuff. And he came home in rags rather than riches because he spent it all on the wrong things. And while he was far off, this old man of a father, who I picture in my mind as a roly-poly, just wearing these giant baggy robes to try to hide the fact that he's fatter than he should be, hikes up his robe and runs which in that culture didn't happen. Grown men don't run, and grown men don't show emotion like that for the excitement out of sheer love. But here's the story of a running father that was willing to humble himself and be the laughingstock of the community because he just wanted to say, I love you to his son. So I don't know if this was a good one for you, but I hope it's some good talking discussion. Maybe you can share it with your youth group or just your small group or something. But I, I encourage you to think whether or not there is a right and a long, wrong way to talk about this story of God that we have in the scriptures. And whether or not we're actually talking, talking about it in a way that's really resonating, that's really true, that's really consistent with how love would act. Because at the base root of it, if this God isn't love, man, what else would be worthy of our love back, you know? And so in all of these things, go and think about the fact that if God doesn't care that much about his reputation or image or glory and is potentially willing to be the laughing stock of the world because he cares about showing love more than he does about being respected, then man, may we learn to do the same thing. That's all for now, all right? 
We'll catch you next time.